When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the PHNX Sun Devils podcast. This podcast show is brought to you by the one and only DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook. Download today using the code PHNX and receive a $200 free bet when you place $1 or more down on any NFL game. I am your host, Brittany Boyer. Here with me, my co-host, Shane Diefenbach. Hello. And Juan Roque, the Mexican menace. (laughs) Good to see you. So we have quite some things planned for you, but since this is our first show, let's kick things off getting to know us, your hosts for the show. So like I said, my name is Brittany, went to ASU two times, graduated in 2015 and 2017. You know, it's been a great time that since I've uh, been done and I've been covering sports in Arizona going on five years now. So uh, really excited to get to cover ASU on a more normal and consistent basis and bring you guys some fun stuff and throw it over to Shane now. I'm Shane. I as well went to ASU. I'm on um, the Bet Beats as well. So shout out DraftKings and shout out my show. Come see me live. I uh, I, I might make you money. Um, <laughs> my keyword. We went live today at noon. So uh, if you missed it and you don't know who I am, sorry. But my name's Shane. Hello. And let's hear a little bit from Juan because I think out of all of us, Juan is the most accomplished. He yeah, played for sure, ASU. For sure. He played football for ASU back in the '90s. Was part of the Rose Bowl team in '96. You know, he has quite some stories. Was an All-American offensive lineman, and you know, we're just blessed to have you on the show with us today, Juan. So well, much appreciated, Brad. You know, we've known each other quite some time. Did a lot of good things together, and it's uh, thrilling to see you with this opportunity to really kind of put your staple on things uh, with uh, Sun Devil Sports. So. Uh, proud to be here to, on your maiden voyage, um, but also I also am an ASU graduate. I got my bachelor's degree in '96, and uh, hopefully in uh, 2022 I will be returning to Sandra Day O'Connor School of Law to finish oh, yes. uh, my degree. Love it. Uh, get my law degree finally. So that is such good I'm, news. Yeah, that's why we tabled the had Sun Devils Worldwide tabled that because I'm preparing for the LSAT and uh, 
I want to kind of put all my energy into that. So that it's, is it's a lifelong awesome. dream for me. I love that. Love I can't that. believe I just found that out right here on the show right now with how much we <laughs> this, talk. This is the first time I've actually announced it publicly. Oh Woo! my gosh. Well, it's Here's a great the scoop, place baby. to do it. I'm so excited for Thanks. you, Juan. If you don't know, he does work for Phillips Law Group, which yes. is in the same building that we're located in, just upstairs. I, the irony of that one. Yeah, right? so it's perfect. <laughs> floor it's perfect. Seventh. So this is just right in your niche. I'm so, yes. so excited for you, Juan. Thank you. Thank you. So getting to know you, though. You had quite a career at ASU. You have played with some legends during your time. I mean, you had Kyle Murphy, Pat Tillman. Uh, the list just goes on and right. on forever. I don't even think I could name everyone off the top of my head, even though I know them. There's just so many uh, amazing players. I can't even Jake do a Plummer, about it. You just you played with so many great people. Right. So um, I know a lot of them are still really involved in ASU athletics. I still see them when we go to some of the tailgates together. So talk to me about just your journey to becoming a Sun Devil and how your life changed once that transition happened? Well, initially growing up in Southern California, Arizona State really was not something that a lot of the kids in my schools even focused on. You were either USC, UCLA, or back in those days, Oklahoma programs like Michigan, Florida State, Notre Dame, mm -hmm. um, because we didn't have such a small college football world like we do now. What I mean by small is that everybody knows where everybody's at now. Yeah. So back then, with just basically the major networks, really nobody had cable. Um, it was what was on NBC, what was on CBS, what was on ABC. Um, and that was usually the SEC, Notre Dame, some of the Big Eight, things of that nature. So um, growing up was really, uh, I was a USC fan. That, that's, you know, yeah. it, it was just who we saw every Saturday on ABC. Um, didn't really care for UCLA. Um, still don't care for UCLA. <laughs> never care for UCLA. <laughs> Uh, USC for me is love hate because I loved him as a kid, and of course when you become a Sun Devil, then you know they're our hated rival. Um, but again, Arizona State didn't really become part of my recruiting sphere or spectrum or whatever you want to call it until late in the recruiting process because uh, Bruce Snyder was at Cal mm -hmm. and uh, he took the Golden Bears to a nine and two record. Uh, they went to the Citrus Bowl. They won that game. But I didn't really feel like I wanted to go to Berkeley. I, I took a recruiting trip there. didn't really feel like a good fit. I'm a SoCal kid. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. I'm SoCal weather. I, I like the heat. I, I don't really like wet, cold. Um, I actually got sick on my recruiting trip, so talk about that <laughs> for, for the yeah. Cal coach stuff. But the one thing that really stood out is that that was the only team, other than the UW um, Huskies, um, that I saw practice for their bowl game. Mm -hmm. So I got to see Bruce Snyder practice. I got to see Rod Marinelli practice. Um, I got to see Dan Cazetto. I got to see all these guys and how they coach and how their players responded to that coaching. That had a profound effect um, on me personally. I wanted to play for these guys, but just not there, mm -hmm. if that makes mm -hmm. sense. Yeah. Um, so after the, uh, the the New Year's Day Bowls, of course, you know, UW won the national title, but I didn't feel like I wanted to go to, to Seattle either. Yeah. At that point, I just made a decision. I'm going to be a Trojan. I committed. I canceled my last recruiting trip. Um, then something kind of funny happened. Three weeks before signing day, uh, Rod Marinelli showed up at my high school with uh, Dr. Ron Cox. And for all those Sun Devils, uh, let me tell you something about Ron Cox. He's a very powerful presence. Mm -hmm. He's a former Army officer. Um, he is just a man of profound, not only intelligence, but of just competence. You, you, when you hear him speak, he, he just draws you in. Um, and you have to know Dr. Ron Cox to understand what the heck it is. I'm even saying what I'd be like, wow, well, well, that's all we can talk about. <laughs> yeah. But um, my high school coach actually, I found out later, invited them to come over. He says, look, he's not really sold on SC. I feel he's settling. Um, it's yours for the taking if you want it. Um, well, I guess he was right because uh, that night 
after seeing Coach Bernelli and funny story with that is I was relieved to see him. I don't know why. I just felt this sudden rush yeah. of relief. He's wearing this sparky polo uh -huh. shirt. And, you know, I saw ASU play USC at the Coliseum earlier the year, and ASU kicked the crap out of him. Yeah. Um, USC was 3-8 that year, so it was a tough, tough year for them. Um, but I remember their uniforms. I remember that sparky. Had, funny thing, I always kind of liked sparky. <laughs> I was that's kind of a cool mascot on the helmet. But I was going to be a Trojan. But, yeah, sparky's pretty cool. But then when I saw Rod Verdelli, he had that sparky uh, polo shirt on. And college is one of those, hmm. So... He came to my home that night with Dr. Ron Cox and Bruce Snyder. Um, I agreed to take the final recruiting trip. And 48 hours after landing in Scott Harbor Airport, falling in love with the campus, with just everything about the area, and more specifically about the team itself. You know, the mm -hmm. players were united. They all hung out with each other. You know, in other places that I saw, like Nebraska, um, even UW, the players were kind of segregated. These guys were over here. Those guys were over there. Not really my scene. You know, I was, I'm used to everybody being inclusive when you're a team. Um, I saw that here in Tempe, and I wanted to be part of that. And um, the first time in my life at that point, I was 17 years old. I broke my word and I rescinded my commitment to USC. And then I committed to ASU. And three weeks later, I signed and uh, came here in 1992. Didn't start till my third year. Mm -hmm. So I had to, you know, learn to be a college football player. I had to develop my skills. I had to grow. I had to get stronger. So I committed that time to get better and to do all the things I needed to do to get on the field. Uh, where a lot of kids now, they don't want to wait. A lot of kids now. Mm -hmm. They, they're so impatient because we didn't have Twitter back then. We didn't have Instagram. We didn't have TikTok or all this other nonsense, Facebook, where you have everybody and their mother telling you how great you are. They go into a college not realizing that you got to pay your dues. Yeah. Nothing's going to be handed to you. I think these kids get frustrated because of that, because their head's so full of noise based on the social media world that they think that they're God's gift to football. And when you go on campus, you realize, well, no, you're not as good as you thought you were. Yeah. It's one thing to play with fellow 17-year-olds. You go into a a field where now you got some 22-year-old men somewhere are going to likely play in the in the pro game in a, at a program like ASU, and you, you get brought to earth really quick. You're not as good as you thought you were. First time I got put on my rear end, I was a D lineman at the time. First time I got put on my rear end by a third-string tackle, I realized I'm <laughs> as good as I thought I was. Talent's real. Um, yeah, so you got to commit. And my journey as a Sun Devil was just that. It was the themes of one at a time, which Bruce Snyder hey, stressed to us. Yep. I brought my hat for that. <laughs> So, one at a time. One at a time. <laughs> and and persevering. And you, you're going to have your setbacks. And to be able to start in 94, all Pac-10 in 95, second team All-American, then all Pac-10 again in 96, and now consensus All-American. I made six of seven first teams. Um, finalist for the Lombardi, finalist for, for the Outland. Of course, they went to Orlando Pace, who's in the NFL Hall of Fame. So, you know. You're don't like, feel too horrible about you're losing like, to a guy like that. At least if I'm a runner-up to somebody, it's, it's somebody him. who yeah. is yeah. actually who it, went it, on it, to do some pretty great things. Yeah. If you're going to get the silver medal, it might as well be to a guy like that. To a massive a human being. He's too. a legend in the sport, not just in the big <laughs> yeah. team. So, yeah. um, real proud Sun Devil. I'm, I'm uh, in the 100 club now as a booster um, because of my donation level. Uh, and that feels good to get anointed that type of status because um, you know a lot of former players, they unfortunately – have this attitude that the school owes them something. Uh -huh. I have the opposite attitude. I mm -hmm. feel I owe the school something. I got my degree. That's the whole point of getting a scholarship. Yes, believe it or not, the whole <laughs> point of going to college is to get your degree. <laughs> that is the deal. Yeah. The school gives you free education, free room and board, and you're supposed to get your education. That's the whole point. I know things have changed, and you know I'm not mad at the players. Hey, I would have cashed it on my 
likeness and you know i'm sure there were filiberto's maybe fast food mexican <laughs> would have given me a contract when i played football that would be you know i know la tolteca would have never la tolteca for all those old old people Britt, you're way too young for la tolteca yeah. I, I don't even think you were born when we were eating those burritos <laughs> but uh but you know getting my degree and, and doing the things that i did being all-american going to the rose bowl playing for bruce snyder being teammates with jake um, Pat Tillman, who, if you go to my Facebook, it's public, read the story about what I just found out this weekend about Pat when he played for the the Cowboys, how he, I don't want to blow the story for those who haven't read it yet, but just read the story. He did something incredible for a young man who he thought was in the game, turned out he wasn't, um, and he did something awesome. I'm sure you read the story, Britt. It was, I didn't. Past, I haven't really been up just, on social media you much. You should check it out. I don't want to spoil it because I want people to read it because I, I think it's a powerful story of all places in Rocky Point, Mexico. I find out something about my teammate <laughs> that I didn't know, and it really had, That's still amazing. has a profound effect on me, just knowing, like, wow. And it wasn't surprising. Well, that but, just shows you how big of a person Pat Tillman yes. was, not just to the university, but just to the country as a whole. And, I mean, he is just... I know for Sun Devils, it's easy to, to consider him a hero of sorts, but he's somebody that I think a lot of f other fan bases can look fondly upon yes. and say he represented that university and everyone he ever played for incredibly well. Absolutely, and he was an incredible human being. And that's what I think gets lost in the whole soldier, football player. You know, And, and of course, we want those types of heroes, and, and that's fine. But that's not who Pat was. Pat was an amazing human being. He, he was a man's man. He was a, a, a person who always looked beyond himself. He always wanted to know more. He always wanted to learn more, learn about different things, different cultures, different religions. He always wanted to ask questions. He was very inquisitive in that sense. Um, you know, Isaiah Mustafa, for instance, he'd ask him about, you know, what's it like to be a, a Muslim football player or growing up in Southern California? Mm -hmm. um, he, would, he asked me about my parents being from Mexico and asked me questions about my family. And I shared a lot of personal information with him about my, my family. Because he wanted to know. It wasn't being intrusive. He, it wasn't being in, he just wanted to learn. He wanted to learn about the world around him and the people that were around him. I think to get a better understanding of maybe how our differences make us the same. Because in the end, you know, we do have more similar than we have dissimilar. I think as people, we just tend to focus on the dissimilar and make that into the issue. But mm -hmm. um, Pat was, I think, the consummate ambassador to not only Sun Devil football or football in general, but just what it, what it is to be a good person. Um, what it is to be a person who doesn't have a prejudgment of someone else. Does that make sense? So yeah. um, now look at, you know, we're at, you know, I don't know what it is now, 16, 17 years since he passed away. And he still has that shadow. And I don't, I don't think that'll ever go away just because of the man he was. Again, not the football player, mm -hmm. not the soldier, because the person he was. Yeah. I think that's, when you think about what could have been, what, what would his life have been like had he been able to continue living? I wouldn't be shocked if he'd be a president of a university yeah. by now. I, I really say that with all sincerity. No, He'd be like a Dr. Michael Crow in that mold or on his way to something like that because that's just the kind of guy he was. He is definitely a person who you could tell would have had an incredibly bright future because of his own motivation and drive no matter what he would have decided to do right. after sports. Right. He just got an incredible shadow. And, of course, the rest of the guys I got down there playing with Keith Poole, you know, Jake, of course, my, you know, Isaiah, um, J.R. Redman, you know, who, who himself is a story of perseverance um, had to sit out his freshman year and, and report to us a little bit later. You know, he's a guy who could have fallen through the cracks and he committed and was able to come here in the spring of 96, practice with us in spring football. And as a retro, I mean, as a true freshman, you saw the contribution he had. He went on to win two Super Bowl rings. Mm -hmm. um, Gray Rugermer, I mean, like you said, Kyle Murphy, 
Doc Robertson, you know, who's now a dentist in Flagstaff. You know, <laughs> Damian Richardson, who's now a surgeon in uh, California. He's an orthopedic surgeon. Yeah. Um, we just have so, so many great stories on that team. Isaiah Mustafa, the Old Spice guy. The Old Spice guy. <laughs> but each one of those guys had a story. And it just culminated and it came together at that right moment in Sun Devil history where you look at that team up and down that roster. We had some characters. Mm -hmm. um, but we also had some very strong individuals who their convictions and their commitment and their passion opened the door for us to go undefeated. And that's just something you look back on. Was I that great a football player? I don't think I was. I think, I think I was around greatness and it elevated me. I was a, you know, kind of nominally speed kid out of Ontario, California, you know? Yeah. I was highly recruited cause I was six foot eight, you know, hmm. but you know, so, but uh, you know, the incredible athletes I had around me, the incredible talent that was around me helped me become a great player. So it wasn't that I was so good. It was everyone around me was really good and it elevated me. And I'll never forget that. And I'm always appreciative of that. Now, some of the best teams historically uh, across all levels of any sports have always been the ones that are able to go out and connect with each other, do things together. They have a really strong bond, a strong relationship. And your team, especially towards your senior year, seemed like you had developed a really strong bond, especially yes. your senior group. So what I want to know what some of your funnest memories are with these guys, <laughs> like whether it be goofy hanging out at somebody's apartment, like scrounging up money. I know you guys used to go do what was it like 10 cent wings somewhere? Yeah. So my my roommate uh, at the time, who's my son's godfather, Sam Santana and me would uh, go down to native New Yorker with five dollars <laughs> or seven dollars. I'm sorry. Was it? Eight dollars. Excuse me. Eight bucks. <laughs> eight dollars. OK, so 10 cent wings. Right. So we'd get 50 wings. I teared down about 28, 29 of them. He teared down about the rest. So what would that be about? Another 22. 21, 22. Um, we'd get an iced tea that was 99 cents. So now we're at like seven bucks and we had a dollar for the tip. Nice. <laughs> we'd, so. get extra, we'd get extra carrot sticks and celery at Extra Ranch. Um, but that's what we did. Or we'd get a $5 Cardinals pizza. For those that remember us old school devils, they used to give these posters out when the semester started, right? I had a map of the school. And around this map, there were a lot of little coupons. One of them was... For a Cardinals Pizza Extra Large. It was about, oh, sorry. It was about this big, right? Um, it would fill two guys up easy. And uh, it was for five bucks. So we would scrape up quarters, nickels, whatever we could scrape up to get that five bucks. A poor driver, he didn't get tipped. Oh, well, you know, it's, that's just life. Sometimes you win, you lose. Um, but uh, we would get a stack of those of those posters around campus so we could have like about 100 of those tickets. You're just like, oh, take them, well, take them, run. Well, yeah, exactly. So there's just the things that we did. But um, team-wise, I mean, we would always meet at my apartment on Wednesdays because, you know, Tuesday and Wednesday were the heavy days, heavy, mm -hmm. full pads, rock and roll and hitting. But Wednesdays was, you know, the Thursday practice we knew was going to be just a glorified walkthrough. Um, so some of the guys would come to my apartment, Cal Murphy, Glenn Gable, Kenny Mitchell, Jake, Gus Farwell, um, Keith sometimes would would show up. Um, we'd get together at Pat Thompson. We'd get together at my, uh, my apartment and we would watch movies and drink, drink a 40 maybe, you know, kind of hang out. <laughs> And then uh, we would always send Brian Williams, who's one of our younger life, we sent him on a Taco Bell run. <laughs> one of those runs in 1996 cost about 40 bucks. <laughs> so That is absolutely, <laughs> so, what did you send him to get? Oh, well, you do, David. Tacos, burritos, Oh, my gosh. Tacos. I mean, you, you think, like, why would they do, do that, put themselves um, at risk of getting the runs two days before a football game, two days? <laughs> well, you know, maybe the alcohol killed the germs, so. You know, but uh, that was just some fun stuff we would do, but... Uh, we all on Thursday nights. We also had pizza together. Uh, we would always go into Mill Avenue um, as a unit, and and we'd enjoy a pizza. You know, maybe for the guys that were old enough to drink. Oh, what are you drinking now? Kids. 
I know nothing about underage drinking. So anyway, See? we would have you know a couple, you know, a couple few pizzas, you know, a couple beers, and then you know go to go home. And then Friday we were either meeting and walkthroughing and heading to Scottsdale for dinner, or we're getting on a plane. We're going to handle business uh, somewhere else. So there was always things we were doing to stay together because um, I think that's important the the team chemistry aspect of things and to be able to just know your teammates on a human level and, and be able to know about their lives and. You know, when they're having a problem, you're having a problem. Because that, that's kind of how it is. Your family. And mm-hmm. What's happening to them is happening to you. Rally around the guys who are having difficulty. Celebrate the guys that are kicking butt. And um, rock and roll. And, you know, one game at a time, we ended up with 11 wins that year. So. How how quick is that shift from doing these 50-cent wing nights and getting these pizzas <laughs> to going to battle with your guys, like, in the locker room? What, how quick does it shift from laughing and doing this to hitting someone what was that like in the locker room what was the intensity like it's 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 like a switch mm-hmm. you the minute you put the pads on you strap your helmet on um lace up lace up those cleats it's rock and roll time it's go time whether it's practice um it's time to practice so we were very good at living that one at a time like what what is it that we're doing in the moment that's what one at a time bruce and i was always all about what it is that we're doing right now. That's what matters. What, what the, Whether it's practice, then we're in practice. If it's weight room, we're, we're lifting weights. If it's film session, we're focusing on that. Um, whatever it is we were doing at that specific moment, all our energy was focused on that. We were giving it our all for that moment, whatever it was, whether it's class, all those different things. You know, we didn't have any academic casualties that, that fall. Wow. You know, that, that speaks a lot yeah. Yeah. about the commitment of not only the student athletes themselves, but our support staff, you know, in, in the ICA, the old ICA. Um, you know, we had academic advisors. We had people that were constantly honest, tutors and so forth. Um, it was a team effort. They say it takes a village, right? Mm-hmm. The 1996 season wasn't just coaches and players. There was a whole group of people in the building back then that was called the ICA. It's now called the Carson Center um, that were that were instrumental down to the equipment guy all the way to the academic advisor that helped us become the team that we were. But exactly, you know, when it was time to rock and roll, Saturdays, it was time to rock and roll. And, um, and even then in... <laughs> that intensity, there could be Huber. Yeah. Um, in 1996, if if you guys remember, we were four and zero. We had Boise State at home it was our fifth home game in a row. So I mean, I don't think you ever get tired of playing at home, but we were a little weary of playing in the heat, playing at night. You know, we'd already beaten UW, we beat North Texas, we beat Washington. I mean, we beat Nebraska, uh, we beat Oregon. Carried the goalpost all the way down to Mill. Yeah, goalposts <laughs> have come already. So now you got Boise State coming in. And, you know, it's the fifth game of the year. They're the first year in 1A. And uh, <laughs> so we had taken the opening kickoff every single game, and we've scored. And so here's what happens. We get the kickoff, and we punt. Now, mind, these Boise State. This, it was, this was before they were yeah. Boise State. Yeah. This is when they were barely coming out of the big sky. So we're like, uh-oh, we punted. And then our defense gives up a touchdown. The maroon monsoon mm-hmm. to this group of probably SUU-type players. So now we're down 7-0. It's about, you know, 12, 12 minutes, 30 seconds left in the first quarter. You know. Wow, that was quick. They kick off to us. And uh, I'll never forget this. We're in the huddle. You know, we're not worried. We're not nervous. Yeah. Jake walks in the huddle with his big, goofy smile yeah. on his face. And he goes, we better score, guys, because that was pissed. Because <laughs> we screwed up the, the every every opening drive in a row. He said it exactly like that. He said it just like that. And we all just start busting up laughing. I remember he looked over at Keith. He says, you ready, man? Okay, so I think he threw a pass to Keith or or might have been a run. But I mean, we, we took it down and just in like three or four plays, we scored. And defense held. They kicked off again. 
Jake walks in the huddle, good, smiles. He goes, "All right, let's put him away." I'm <laughs> messing around. I think the score was fifty-six to seven. Oh so, my god! Um, so it's it's just one of those things where even in that intense intensity and taking care of business, we found humor and we found a way to to laugh about something. Um, even in the USC game, for instance, we're down 14-0. Jake was just laughing and having fun. Is that fun. the game you notoriously flipped the double birds at USC? Yes. That, yep. <laughs> you want me to show you how I did it? I'm just kidding. No, you don't no, have no. to put that up for show, but... Uh, no, we won't. You know, you, <laughs> we'll you talked about being a USC fan, so that flip yeah. definitely switched. Oh, for sure. And or that um, switch flip. Did I get that backwards? I, I don't know. That's a very common well, thing. Well, <laughs> a lot of that animosity had to do with when I switched my commitment to uh, Larry... Larry Smith, who was the head coach at USC at the time, kind of screamed at me and kind of cussed me out and basically said that I wouldn't last six months in Tempe, that I was a mama's boy, that there's no way I'd survive away from home. Well, and that was kind of a – it was really more a flip-off to him, but it came off on the Trojan bench. Yeah. He wasn't even their coach. It was John Robinson. <laughs> um, but uh, that's, that just shows you kind of for all that time that, it, that, that I held that anger against the, the Trojans and to beat them because the year before they beat us pretty soundly. Mm-hmm. You're not going to flip off a team that just kicked your butt 31-0. Yeah. Yeah. But when you went in double overtime, <laughs> yeah. when you got spotted 14 points by you know some questionable cause that today would be reversed in replay, mm. then, yeah, you flip them off. <laughs> yeah. So, all right, Juan, we are going to transition into a little game time segment with okay. you. All right. So we're going to start off with this or that. So whatever comes to mind first. This or that. Okay. This or that. Or whatever one you like better. And you can tell us why. I don't know. Maroon or gold? Maroon. All right. Sparky or the pitchfork? Sparky. You got a Sparky. He got, he got recruited. I got on my leg for God's sake. Sparky's so much better, but some people still like are like, eh, I like that pitchfork, but I don't know. I don't like that. Got him right here. So no, Sparky. Tailgates or mill? Tailgates. Uh, burgers or chicken wings? Oh, chicken wings by far. Uh... Buffalo or barbecue? Buffalo. Come on now. <laughs> Doritos or potato chips? Doritos with lemon and hot sauce. All Is right. That? Try that. Uh, your 1996 team's 56-14 route of the kitties or last year's 70-7 beatdown? I'll take my 56-14. Yeah. part of it. Yeah. Come on now. Well, <laughs> one's historic in one way. The other's historic in a different way. You know, they're both awesome wins. But One, one ended a streak, one continued a streak. Yeah. yeah. Had a, 700 plus yeah, days, they, by the way. Yeah, they had a... <laughs> Three in a row at that yeah. point. Yeah, you know, I had a tweet that ESPN actually stole this weekend. <laughs> if U of A, well, U of A is not going to have another chance to win a game until this Saturday when it will ironically be 707 days, 70 to 7. <laughs> so, yeah. So, did you you talk to them before that game, right? Yes. And while I want to take credit for uh, that, we're going to give you credit. Considerable butt whipping that we put on them in Tucson. Let's just face it; they, we just were we just overmatched them. We, our, our talent was just far superior. To I'll their, give you credit. They look like a JUCO team. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> what did you what, what did you say to them? Because sometimes when I wake up in the morning, I don't want to make breakfast. So if yeah. I can put you as my alarm clock, I, I looked them dead this? in their eyes and, and said, "Look, in, in this terrible season that they've had you mm-hmm. know, with COVID and games being canceled, Herm getting COVID, and um, the players, you know, having one practice before going to UCLA and I haven't played them at home, excuse me, and, and losing a very close game." I said. There's still a lot to play for. And I explained to them that at that time there were three in a row against the Rats. And that no team since the Frank Cush years in the 70s, um, I don't remember the year offhand, but no team since the 1970s had gotten four in a row against U of A. I want to say it ended in 78. I think you're right. 76. Something like 70s. But Cush, I think, ended it, I think, about five or six. Um, So I told them that you have a chance to make history. You'll be the, I believe at that point, it'll be the third team in history that got four in a row. On Arizona, I said that's something to play for. That's something that you can honor the past, 
the Kushiers, everyone that's ever put on this uniform, said you go down there to Tucson, you get that fourth win. Because there's not very many Sun Devils that can boast that. Mm-hmm. Not very many football players that can boast that. You'll be the third team in history to do it. I go, and then you set it up nicely, and I explained about their streak and how they, they, like to, they, like to, they like to throw that in our face. But, you know, there was a tie in the middle of that streak. That, to me, a tie is a tie. That is yeah. a, you don't get to continue your streak after a tie. No, that's but, like you know, a... they're using Tucson math. Hey, they're, they're, they, they don't got Rose Bowls. They, they, you know, they're terrible in football. So they love what, ties. Gonna, so. they, they love that streak. They love but it. If you look at this, the, it's like win, 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 tie, win, win. Yeah. So, okay, you want to call that a streak? Okay, fine. Um, but we have a chance to break their backs, you know, mm-hmm. especially now this season. But I told them that that sets up nicely for us to develop our own streak, a real streak. And that... Uh, you take care of business up on the road, and then you get them at home next season. And uh, they went down there and they did it. And you saw they—I mean, <laughs> they just—I I don't think people were even uh, finished serving their food before mm-hmm. it was 21-0 in that uh-uh. game in the first quarter. Um, you want to just talk about a team that just was not prepared, not wanting to play. If ever a team quit on their coach, uh, you could make the argument that—that uh, that was the game. That, yeah, those, those players quit on someone. Very similar to what I thought in 2015 or 2016 when we went down there. And they ran us over in the second half. I, mm-hmm. I, I felt the players quit on Graham. Kind of cashed it in on Graham as well. Yep, so. so it's happened definitely. to us too. So I can't judge too hard. <laughs> well, you know, it's always interesting to get your take as a player, whether you enjoyed watching more of a beatdown or one that was more meaningful, but you were a part of it. Right. So um, also great little tidbit. So let's get back to the rest of the game segment before we let you go back upstairs. <laughs> now we're going to do Would You Rather. Okay. Okay. So would you rather have to do 100 push-ups with Kyle Murphy on you, sitting on your back, or have to do 25 sets of stadium runs in the Coliseum while the USC fight song players on repeat? Well, Kyle has lost a lot of weight, so I think that would be all right. <laughs> so you'd rather do push-ups with Kyle? I'd rather do push-ups with Kyle Murphy on my back. All right. Stadiums suck. <laughs> uh, would you rather have ASU go undefeated and win the Rose Bowl, but you personally could not attend any games in person, or would you rather have ASU make it to the Rose Bowl but lose, but you got to watch every single game front and center at the 50-yard line? I'd rather not be there and have them win it all because I think that uh, that's important. That's something that needs to happen. I think Herm is setting the stage for it to happen. And, mm-hmm. um, I want that so badly for them. I, I want I want this team, this this program to get to that level. Not that I, I don't like being honored. I, I don't enjoy all the kudos and accolades, but it's been 25 years. Um, we need to re- we need to write a new chapter here. We, we need to get something new into the system there to sh- jolt the system here and to, and to really set a, a tone and set a stage for a future. And I think uh, that we have the talent to do that. So, all right, this one's gonna be so easy for him. <laughs> uh, would you rather watch ASU in a regular season conference game from the row at the fifty? Because this goes right into it. Or would you rather watch them in the Pac-12 championships from the nosebleeds? I would watch them in the championships for the nosebleeds. Yeah, Again, for the same reason. Yeah, we, I, I, they need I, it. I, we need we, we need we need it. Something that's overdue, and I think that we have the pieces in place to make it work. Sorry, Emmett, this one's going to be really easy for him. No. <laughs> uh, would you rather be Sparky for the day or the cameraman? Meaning you have to run around and do push-ups in the suit the whole time, and be you insane. get to do push-ups. I'll do push-ups as long as we're playing like you know a six to three game or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> as long as we win, though. No, but I'd rather be Sparky. Sparky yeah. than a camera. I love me some Sparky. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, final one. Would you rather sing a duet with Gus Farwell or have to keep a straight face while starring in a goofy Old Spice commercial with Isaiah Mustafa? <laughs> <laughs> 
I'd rather see with Gus because there's no way I can get a straight <laughs> face with Isaiah. If you've ever been around Isaiah, man, he's a character. Well, man. especially he's... when you're just standing there. Like, yeah, have you seen his most it. recent one? I want to say, I don't know. I was looking through some of his stuff recently, and I found his Christmas time Old Spice one, and it's just him in like a towel draped around him with like Christmas ornaments all on the floor. <laughs> it's so weird, but yeah, I'm sure you would enjoy My that favorite. very much. <laughs> so, I to keep a straight face. <laughs> all right, Juan. Well, winding it down before we let you go upstairs, is there anything else that you want to add? Any takeaways uh, leading up to this game against UNLV or uh, anything else from the game against Southern Utah? Yeah, it's, I think that people need to take a collective breath. You know, just, we, we went through this at the beginning of the summer when the whole hysteria over this investigation and Everyone's just hitting the eject button on the season. Is I wish Sundowo fans were not so lying with a thorn in its paw mm. mentality. Yeah, you know, uh, it, it's just it's it's ridiculous. It's almost to the point that it's annoying. I'm not on any fan pages because of it. I don't interact on those sites because of that reason. I don't go on, um, you know, any of the the online forums because I'm just tired of it. it it's it, it's time to rally around your team. Rally around the. The troops, we won 41-7. I mean, we didn't lose. There were a lot of upsets this past weekend. There's always a Cinderella FCS team that upsets a, a Division One, right? Appalachian State and yeah. uh, Michigan back in the day. So th- we always hear about that happening. It didn't happen. Um, you know, we had two backs who averaged 9.1 and 8.4 yards, respectively, in Rashad White and and, and um, Trinum. We got two guys. That, Angata got some carries. He showed that he has a little bit of a position. Yeah. He didn't really do too good on the per average. It was like 3.8. Um, but he played with a lot of reserves, yeah. too, mm-hmm. in the second half. So we showed what we needed to show. And I think that uh, this week will be a lot, little bit more of a test. It's, it's a 1AA a, a opponent, excuse me. Um, we probably are not going to see the whole arsenal, though. Um, remember, Herm is an NFL coach. Yeah. And college football has changed. The, the, the week one big games, yeah, there were some this weekend. You know, UCLA, LSU, Georgia, and... Um, of Clemson, for instance. So those those games are, are, are happening. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, your first couple of games are not really opponents that you you got circled on the schedule. You know, in 96, in the first three weeks, we had Washington, North Texas, and Nebraska. I mean, that was a, a gauntlet right out of the game. Yeah. And those Doesn't, would be ones you'd need to pull your bigger you, plays out. We were preparing for those games in spring football. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's a little different. You know, Herm is an NFL coach. So you got to kind of see this as preseason. Yeah. They're trying to get a feel for what their talent is, what they have. And I believe that once this team takes the field Saturday, you're probably going to see a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But once we take the road to Provo, I think is going to be the true test. But I think people just need to calm down. What would have made a difference if we beat them 82 to nothing? What would people be happy with that? They'd still be complaining. Yeah, they um, would find something. So it's <laughs> like, okay, you, you beat them down. You you mercilessly just tear their heads off. What does that accomplish other than you're a bully and you kind of look like a jerk yeah. as not only a coach but as a program? Or you get in there. You handle your business, you get a lead, and then you start playing your bench. And that's really what happened. You know, you had reserves in there in the second quarter. Mm-hmm. So it's just people just need to chill. Yeah. You'll probably see the starting units a lot more, like in a preseason game. In this game, hopefully, because I know UNLV came here like, what, 10 years ago or 11? I don't know when it was, and they upset us here at home on that missed field goal. I was broadcasting that game for Fox. It sucked. I was like, we just lost. And I have to keep talking about Waldo. <laughs> I want to scream in that corner and cry. Yeah. Um. So we know that. A Division One team can beat you if if you're not ready to go. So they'll be ready to play. You'll, you'll probably see a little bit cranked up intensity, um, but I think the true test is going to be in Week Three when we go to Provo. You're on the road. BYU is a pretty decent team. They, they showed some cracks against uh, that team down there and yeah, you know, wherever the old one. Pueblo, whatever the hell they call it over there. <laughs> um, but uh, but I just think that that will be a test. That that will be 
us seeing who are we in 2020. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't be shocked if we go up there and we do something pretty significant. And then, of course, that sets up nicely for our showdown here at, to close out September with Colorado. Um, but, Britt, show the hat. It's one at a time. It is one and at a time. right now, they got to take care of business Saturday. You know, we can talk about the what-ifs and the next chapters and all this other great stuff that fills in airtime. But in the end, it's one at a time. It, it is. It's, it's going to be always one, at a time. one game at a time, one play at a time, one possession. One troubling thing that I want to bring you guys' attention that I did not like from this game is the fact that there were three fumbles. Yes. And, and that we they lost have had two. this conversation that, before yes, multiple times. That is a red alert, five alarm fire. Herm and staff need to get that under control before that loses you a football game because that's the kind of nonsense that gets you beat 31 28. Yep. That that's... gets you beat 28 24. 24. Because that could be a difference between a field goal, a touchdown, and those points when four teams are ranked in the South, four, UCLA, USC, Utah, and us, it's going to be a grueling path to the, to the championship. For sure. And the winner of the South can realistically win one or two, I mean, excuse me, lose one or two games. So don't be that team that does it. We, we can't mm-hmm. be the team that blows it. We've, we've had that, enough of that nonsense. And here. ASU has struggled with fumbles for a couple years now, and it has cost them. Games it, in yeah, we can't conference be that team play, anymore. and they we, have to yeah. move away from that. Let so. someone else be the unlucky yeah. team yes. for once. Let, you know, Coach Snyder was really stickler on that about balls on the ground in practice. It started right in. Someone fumbled the ball there. They're getting screamed at. I mean, so I know Herm focuses on that as well, but it's just something that needs to be resolved before you start facing quality opponents because against a quality opponent, that's going to get you beat every time. Against an SUU, you can get away with it. Not against the USC, not against the Cal, not against the UW or those kind of guys. So. Definitely. All right. Well, it is time now for Lit with Brit. Oh if you guys have watched me before in the past, you guys know that I do this. Well, I used to do this quite frequently, but uh, time to bring it back now that I have an official platform where I can go a little slower and not have to speed through two minutes and 20 seconds worth of talking. So like we just talked about with Juan, you know, ASU is going to be fine. This is exactly where you're going to see them start to turn up the intensity a little bit more. You're going to start to see them um, pulling out a little bit more from their, uh, I guess you would call it their tool shed or their tool belt and starting to implement more things and more plays this week. Um, And like we talked about, one at a time. It is one game at a time, one week at a time. I mean, they already beat Southern Utah. Now that game is going to be in the rearview mirror. But Herm Edwards had talked after the press conference, you know, talking about cleaning up penalties. It's a lot easier of something to do when you're coming in to practice off of a win versus a loss. I think that's true on so many levels. I think especially after watching some of the other Pac-12 teams play this weekend, you can't argue that ASU's not in a much better place than I think a lot of fans initially had thought that they were after Thursday's game. You know, Washington. Oh. Yeah, right? <laughs> um, and I know people are talking about Utah and their dominance and their power, but their defense allowed more points to get put up. They allowed 17 against Weber State, and they didn't score as many points offensively as ASU did. They only scored 40. ASU scored 41. So, I mean, realistically, looking at things, the we all know the Pac-12 North is not very strong right now. It's all going to be the Pac-12 South this year. Yeah, I mean, and like, what you really could have a two-loss Pac-12 South champion. It's absolutely insane how competitive the 
division is this year. But I think ASU is going to be absolutely fine. I think fans need to keep an eye on some key things, like Juan just was saying, the fumbles, if ASU is able to improve the fumbles. Keep an eye on Jaden Daniels. I believe he's going to start passing a lot more this week and attacking the air a little bit more. Um, I think that uh, defensively we saw a bunch of studs that are people who are younger players really step up. I mean, Darian Butler was on fire. He had two interceptions. Yeah, and I just think there's nothing to worry about. Yes, it's just Southern Utah, but it was the first game with fans. That's another thing. Can we factor in the excitement that you feel when you walk back into the stadium as just a fan, let alone not even being a player who just had to go through the whole last year, ups and downs, not knowing if you're going to get to play in a game every week from on a week-to-week basis. Uh, there, w- there were no fans. The atmosphere was a lot quieter. I mean, anyone who watched games last year, you could hear the other sideline. It was just so silent, you know? So to be back in that environment, it's just... It's so much of a change. It's a rush. And it is, you know, the first game of the season where you're going to get some of those kinks worked out. So and, I think ASU and, has nothing to worry about. Yeah, the, the penalty thing that a lot of people are talking about with them, it's 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 cause for concern for sure, 100%. Mm-hmm. And I know Herm wasn't happy with that. And I know them coming out of halftime, that was definitely the point of emphasis for them. And I'm sure Herm nailed that into them. But then there was a false start almost immediately. Yes. And that that's concerning. But at the same time, as you mentioned, this is the first time they played with fans in so long. And first time that a lot of these players have even had fans in Sun Devil Stadium with them. So I, I think it's it's concerning, but not too much. And yeah. the the concern level can be up here, but when when you go and face a real team and that's happening, like a, a, a Pac-12 competitor, then that's when it gets scary. Mm-hmm. But for now, I don't think it's a huge problem. No, and if these mistakes are still happening in two and a half weeks when Colorado comes to Tempe to take on the Sun Devils, then there's going to be a reason for concern because this won't be the first time that ASU has played Colorado early in the season and made a lot of mistakes and then messed up. So we'll get more into that in a little bit, but let's talk about uh, DraftKings and one of their special offers that we have coming up before uh, some of the big games this weekend. So with DraftKings Sportsbook, it's our official betting partner. They are also the official sports betting partner of the NFL. They are live in Arizona and Mobile betting's here just in time for NFL football. So they're giving all new customers a can't-miss offer with the return of NFL football season. All you have to do is bet just $1 on any NFL game this weekend, and you will receive $200 in free bets instantly, no matter what. So DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new customers that $200 deal free in bets instantly. Like I said, all you have to do is put $1 down on any game. So Cardinals fans, if you want to go put a dollar down on your game, I would say that is right up your alley. You would get $200 free from DraftKings right away just for doing that if you are still new. So DraftKings is a safe and reliable and secure website, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money anywhere at your convenience. So, yeah, right now, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Promo code PHNX to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any Week 1 NFL game. Um, uh, 21-plus, Arizona-only uh, Arizona gambling problem. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Eligibility restrictions apply. Max $50 wager, one per customer. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Also, guys, um, subscribe to PHNX. We got some really good stuff. Um, we do. Uh, Brittany just wrote a piece. The Suns, uh, I wrote Gerald Borges wrote a piece. Amazing pieces three for amazing you to pieces. read. And I have 
Speaking of DraftKings, a little bit of a betting odds breakdown for you on the Pac-12 and their upcoming weekend slate of games. So make sure you check that out. And then afterwards, go use our promo over on DraftKings and, you know, have some fun with sports that you might not normally look too close at or yeah, some teams we, i should yeah, say we got the nfl starting in an hour 20 i'm i'm stoked i'm ready so yeah d- uh, download drafting sportsbook app subscribe to us on phnx um before we f- get out of here i just want to talk about what you want to see more from this team um because there the, i mean we touched on penalties but there's a lot that we haven't talked about mm-hmm. and i think i think the biggest thing that people aren't talking about with the sun devils team is the running backs have been talked about so much they have but the wide receivers, we still don't have that guy. Andre Johnson had that great catch on, what was it, third and 17, I want to say? Yep, he had and, a crucial catch. It was on the second drive of the game. Yeah. So, But there's still – it doesn't feel like there's that guy. When we're playing Utah down the road or we're playing in a, in a game that means more, mm-hmm. I don't feel like we have this guy that we can rely on. We don't have that guy at wide receiver. Ricky Pearsall was great, and, and, and Andre Johnson was good. But we don't have – I need Jaden to be able to know, okay, I'm taking my five-step drop, and if Blitz is coming or a three-step drop and people are screaming off the edge, who am I going to? Who is going to catch the ball? We need that guy, and I feel like they don't have that yet. And I'm not saying nobody's talented enough for that. I just want somebody to step up. And and they didn't have to in week one. I'm not saying mm-hmm. that. But I would love to see it soon. I would love to I see it soon. I would too. And I – like I was saying before we had to roll into the DraftKings commercial because I got a little bit lost on my time there – I think it's something we are going to see from ASU's offense more this week, especially. You know, UNLV and their defense struggles to stop the offensive pass game. And, you know, they're a little bit stronger up front. So I think ASU really is going to want to hammer the run game as much as they can and then start airing it out. Um, So we'll see what they end up doing, but... I personally think that we'll see a little bit more from Jaden Daniels, and I still think they'll keep it pretty vanilla, but I Mm -hmm. think that you will start to see more players starting to emerge with uh, more yards after a catch, more receptions, because we really didn't see any players. The use of wide receivers was basically minimal in this game. I mean, your tight end, the tight end, Curtis Hodges, led the team with 56 reception yards. So, I mean, when you look at that stat alone, um, I think – when Jaden Daniels unleashes what mm-hmm. he's capable of and starts using his arm. And we get to see more of what Zach Hill's offense is when it's fully implemented uh, against some bigger teams, you know, especially I'm excited to see Colorado, but still not as excited as I am to see them play against teams like USC and UCLA, where you know there is going to be a lot more pressure, a lot more intensity, and a lot more eyes on them and the outcome and the results of the game are going to be a lot more detrimental to, or I don't want to say detrimental, detrimental, but uh, a lot more important towards where they finish. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm looking forward to see who steps up. Am I weird to to think I want to see more of Jaden Daniels in the pocket? Is that weird? No, because I think he, I think he scrambles too soon. I think he gets nervous. I don't even think it's too soon though. I, I like, like he, he's a great improviser, but I, I, I want to see more like, I'm not saying he doesn't have composure, but if he has the, more time and he doesn't need to run when he does, even though he's had time when he takes off, I, I, I just think teams are going to start to stack the box against the run. And, uh, uh, some pocket presence is going to allow our, our our uh deep pass deep passing game to to really explode because we don't we haven't seen that yet we, we i mean obviously there was there was barely any 
like really, really good. Uh, stay in the pocket, take your drop, make a read. It was dinks and dunks, and there was a couple throws on desperation plays. Mm-hmm. But when we play a, a Utah defense or a Washington, they're they're going to load up that box when we establish this run, which is it seems like the plan of the season. And Herm can have a completely different take six weeks down the road, but. I, I feel like Jaden is gonna eventually need to, and I don't think I, I think that he can for sure. But I think we're gonna need to see more of him staying in the pocket. I think he has the composure, and mm-hmm. I think he has the pocket presence, and I think his feet are a great weapon to use if he needs to. But I would I would love to see him air it out more. Yeah, and I think that well, I know that he has the accuracy. We've already seen it in the past. Uh, it really is just a matter of when is he gonna start doing it and. Is are we going to see it soon? Are we going to see it later into the season? Um, is it going to be something that's a slow, gradual transition? Is it something he already has been working on, and maybe he's just not changing his mm-hmm. style of play right now to keep people on their feet? Mm-hmm. You know, there's so many intangibles and moving parts and things that we just don't necessarily know because we're not Herm or Jaden, and mm-hmm. that's going to be or Zach Hill, and I feel like it's going to be kept between those three in terms of what their r- real, true plan is long term. Definitely, but. Um, all right. Well, um, I think we should just wrap. Speaking of Jaden, I think we should wrap it up with a question mm-hmm. um, that we'll tweet out to the fans, um, and I'll have you answer it. Uh, how many touchdown passes do you think he's going to throw this weekend, Jaden Daniels, on Saturday? Well, Jaden, let's see. He hasn't really opened up for very many. I mean, he. What do you have last week? Four. Sounds right. Six. No. You think he's going to throw six? I'm going to say five. Because okay. then I think that they'll pull him and put Borgay in. I'm going to say three. I think, okay. I, I think the running backs are going to are gonna score again a lot. Because that, 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 that's the, that, that, what I think they're doing is I think in, in NFL games, you establish the run in a game early. You know, yeah. you establish the run and you can get these uh, defenses to bottom play action. I think they're establishing the run early in the season. Mm-hmm. And that is exactly what they've been talking about doing. I know that Antonio Pierce um, and... He talked about how that was being part of their offensive plan and stuff it, to catch other defenses off guard. Uh, or maybe it was Herm Edwards. I looked at so many different press conferences the last <laughs> day. I think it was Herm Edwards, actually. Um, it's just going to be absolutely insane, though, in terms of what they're able to do with their running backs as soon as they're able to really establish that run fully and that they're a- they find their stride because they looked good against Southern Utah. But think about what it's going to look like when they play UCLA or a USC and you're running for – you're averaging eight yards per carry. I would love like, to see that. that I would, would love to see that. That would be absolutely insane. So yeah. if they can keep rolling and keep building off this, um, I mean, granted, that would be wishful thinking, but that also would be uh, something that would just be great. And that would be because they established the run. But that also will help them open up their passing game. So um, – Let's talk defensively a little bit, though, because we did talk about uh, Darian Butler, how he had two interceptions in the game. He had five tackles. Four of them were solo tackles, and one was a tackle for a loss. He's been absolutely outstanding and stellar, and uh, this one Antonio Pierce did say, because he is the defensive coordinator, uh, he was talking about how he's waiting on other players to step up. He was specifically looking at players like Merlin Robertson, um, and Kyle Soley to step up and join him with this elevated level mm-hmm. of production on the field because Butler showed it in the first game. So this is now what he's looking for from the other two. So um, I want to talk about how amazing 
he did because those two picks were absolutely insane. Um, but I feel like he also set the tone for the rest of the defense because then DeAndre Pierce had the interception that he was able to take back 34 yards, I believe it was, for a touchdown. So, um, And the defense held them at 14. I know it was only Southern Utah, but they were playing with some uh, younger kids. B.J. Green, I believe. Yeah, he was a freshman, went in, had mm-hmm. a huge sack at some point. So, you know, you have to think that their energy comes in and fires up the players who are going to get to go in after them. Doesn't it feel like Merlin Robertson has been on the team for eight years? I mean, as a freshman, I think he was in our top three. He might have even led, the league, or led, led our team in tackles. He is such a solid piece in the middle. And I'm a sucker for defensive players who wear single numbers. That number eight looks sweet in the middle of the field. But the defense, we can't I, – I don't. I, I mean, yeah, the two picks, uh, our, our turnovers, um, our, our, our ability to force takeaways is fantastic. But – I don't think you can get too high on them. I, the, it, it, it's Southern Utah, and and you, I think with them, it doesn't really show much until we're playing until they're playing a team like Oregon or a team with a high octane offense. Because when it comes down to it, these young guys, it they will show what they're really like when they're under pressure. And I mm-hmm. don't think when they came into the game they that they were under pressure. And I don't argue with that at all. But for the first game of the year, coming off of a four-game year last year, because this is how at least my thought process is right now at this point in the season. It's still so early on that I really think that we're going to see a huge differential between the teams that got to have more of a normal season and a really a full spring compared to some of the teams like Cal and Stanford who mm-hmm. we're seeing who are really suffering right now, but they had such strict COVID protocols for so long that you're just now seeing the uh, the long-term effects of them being shut down as a program so long. They're taking so much longer to get back and develop and regroup at this point in the season. So overall, I think looking at where ASU's at defensively, yeah, don't get too high on them, but I think for a first game showing, there were really no major glaring issues that we saw. Um, I think defensively, the defense of all three areas on the team between special fields, offense, defense, defense was the most solid performing in my opinion. Special teams is where they need the most work, but that is a really questionable area with so many Moving parts surrounding it, you know, Christian Zendejas is mm-hmm. move, coming back to the team. I did get confirmation he was out at practice on Tuesday. Yeah. Now, whether or not he was kicking at all, uh, that wasn't really known because what he was visibly doing was mostly just – he didn't really participate in anything that was visible to the media. So no one's really sure what's going on with him in terms of what his timeline is for when he'll be back. But you have to think that they're going to want to get him back as soon as possible for any field goals that are – you know, 40 or beyond, and really extra point attempts. I mean, they could still go with who they have for extra point attempts, but you're really going to want to get Zendejas back in there as soon as special, possible. Special teams is uh, make or break for for football in general. I mean, there was a Chargers team that was number one offense and number one defense. I forget what year it was. I want to say 2009 or something like that. They they were number one in offense and defense, but their special teams were so god-awful that they'd missed the playoffs. Well, Special teams is huge. I mean, if you really think about it, how many – Herm Edwards has had an insane number of games that come down to being within three points yep. of the other team, which, which is insane. really just a field goal if you think about it, which also ASU has had so many botched field goals since – I feel honestly since Zane Gonzalez has left, 
the well when Zane Gonzalez was at ASU I feel like he set the expectation for fans so incredibly high because he was a great kicker and then he left and you know things kind of just started falling off here and there it's hard to find a good college kicker (laughs) it was never really a dependable position sometimes they were on sometimes they were off and ASU knows better than anyone not only because of the situations they've been in in terms of losing games like that but by winning games like that 41-40 against U of A the 2019 or I'm sorry the 2018 comeback Mm -hmm. that was on a missed field goal by U of A like you should know and be able to take away which I'm sure they do know but just to emphasize the importance of the importance of having a kicker in that mm. level, uh, it really can cost you some big games. And especially yep. if you're on the wire in that final game of the season and it could come down to, you know, what bowl game you end up going to and or even making it to a bowl game, that's huge. So Great special teams will, won't necessarily win you games, but bad special teams will 100% lose, lose you games. games. Yes. So personally, I think watching special teams, what they're able to do in the upcoming weeks, that's going to be a really – telling sign Mm -hmm. that ball control and penalties those are the three things that are my takeaways that they need to look at especially going into this week against UNLV which uh we will talk about UNLV tomorrow tomorrow. 3.30 same time we have another live show tomorrow so uh we will be discussing UNLV doing some Pac-12 picks Actually, we'll be going through all of the Pac-12 picks, talking about some of the betting lines for those games, and we will be having a special guest joining us. Keep that one a secret until Mm -hmm. uh, a little bit later. Follow us on Twitter at phnx underscore sundevils. Yeah, make sure you do follow us on Twitter. Subscribe to the GoPHNX website, gophnx.com. And one more time, though, actually, before we do fully sign off, let's revisit our question of the day for fans again Mm. we'll be tweeting this out for you so we hope that you respond interact and then we will be discussing your answers tomorrow on the show how many touchdown passes do you think Jaden Daniels will throw on Saturday against UNLV so again I think it's going to be five Shane says three so put your answers on our Twitter page at phnx underscore sun devils Mm -hmm. that should do it I think we're all good so uh, follow us everywhere. Subscribe to gophnx.com, and uh, we appreciate you guys. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for joining us and for tuning in, and we can't wait to bring you more exciting ASU content and really get to interact and know you guys.